you have to make yourself a priority. And I was like, what does that look like? I, I don't even know what that means. And it means like, do your own makeup, go, go get a massage, go look for some pretty rocks on the beach, do something just for you. Success. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone day. Sex desire is the most powerful of human desires. When driven by this desire, men develop keenness of imagination, courage, willpower, persistence, and creative ability unknown to them at other times. So strong and impelling is the desire for sexual contact that men freely run the risk of life and reputation to indulge in. When harnessed and redirected along other lines, this motivating force maintains all of its attributes of keenness of imagination, courage, etc., which may be used as powerful creative forces in literature, art, or in any other profession or calling, including, of course, the accumulation of riches. Napoleon Hill. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedlock, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I have my most amazing guest, Heather. Heather, thank you so much for being here with us today. I am so pleased to be here on your official show. <laughs> We're going to have a blast. <laughs> I know that because we've been having a blast long before you hit record, so you guys are going to love this. <laughs> so give us a 5,000-foot view of who you are and what you love to do. I love to help people. I love to help people feel better and I'm really, really good at it. And I, I have all this knowledge about accounting and finances because I've been doing it for way too many years. Like I, it's just stuff that I've learned and, and a lot that I know. And I have a special system for teaching people how to get comfortable with their finances, even the most number avoidant people. I love it. Can I was going to say far money. too long. It's like, what, a week? <laughs> no, like There's those days. of us who are like, really? You like accounting? <laughs> <It's> awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, actually, I've gone over like talks that I want to do in my head. And I have this image of me walking on stage and saying, yeah, I'm an accountant. I know a lot of you were, must have been really thrilled when you signed up. And then you found out the keynote speaker was an accountant. You were like, yay, numbers. You know, I don't know if that's so much fantasy, so much as my worst nightmare, but okay. <laughs> you do you. Well, no, I, I, I'm, it's not that I'm in love with numbers. It's just that they're really, really easy for me. Nice. And I've been told in multiple ways from multiple people, including like astrology and human design and channel through somebody from the other side that my mission is to help heart-centered people take their place amongst the wealthy. Nice. So it's a good thing that it's easy for me and Absolutely. that I learned it. Absolutely. Uh, I have a bookkeeper that says, um, I absolutely love accounting so that I can get your accounting done for you. <laughs> it's like, yes, you're my gal. <laughs> you, she goes to work every day loving her job, and that is awesome. Oh, so yeah, tell me, back up the bus a little bit. How did you get into all of this and the whole the whole account, we would start from back from the accounting world and into how did you get, particularly get into helping entrepreneurs um, get comfortable with their numbers? Well, I don't want to do accounting. 
I don't want to do financial advising. I want to do what lights me up and that's teaching, that's speaking. So that's how I got into it. Well, actually, if you want to get technical, I actually stopped doing that stuff because, uh, and are you ready for just the shock value here? In 2015, I left the, all right, well, it's just when I think of him, certain words come to mind. So the, the person I was married to for almost 25 years, I left in 2015. He was a narcissist and there was a reason it took 25 years to leave him. He was pretty darn scary. Um, and a week after I left him, which was June 20th, 2015, he shot himself in front of me. And I mean, as I'm running away, I stopped to look back to see if he faked it because that's the kind of thing he would do. So you see why the choice words start to come to mind when I think of him. But I still denied I was mentally abused. The whole time I denied I was mentally abused until four months later, then I started to admit it to myself. But my brain was tired. Um, An abusive relationship is like shaking a bottle of champagne, right? It's in there, but we hold it together. And most people do not know that it's been shaken so freaking hard. But when you leave, the cork pops and the pressure is released. And I could not do my normal job. If I was sitting with someone and teaching them, I was fine. But to work on my own, I had shouldered too much responsibility for my entire life. And I just would not do it anymore. You could put me in front of a computer and not let me do anything else. I wouldn't do it. So... Uh It's, I had time off work and I mean, I'd known before that I wanted to be a speaker. As soon as I met a woman, I was at a a local women's thing and uh, winter, 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 women's winterlude. There we go. Um, And there were little breakout sessions and a woman who was teaching one of the classes I went to, she was mentioned something about how, you know, it was her job. And I'm like, wait a minute, you get paid to talk and travel and teach. And she's like, yeah, I'm like, holy crap, I want your job. So that was that was my light bulb moment. But I still had no idea what to teach. Weird, but I had no idea what I should teach. Even in like 2016, when I was talking to somebody about what I wanted to do, and they're like, oh, what are you going to teach? And I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll learn yoga. Maybe I'll, t- I'll become a yoga teacher. And Why teach would that? I take the last 25 years of expertise and excellence that I've had and actually use that to move forward? And, and to me, talking- it's so common, though. It's so common, especially with women. We tend to completely diminish and minimize all of the expertise we have, especially if it's not something as obvious, like I have a degree in this and therefore I had a job in it for 20 years. It can be as obscure as you know i have six kids and i have no quote unquote skill set and it's like dude you have more skill set than i will ever have especially in organizing people and delegating and like you you have a master in or phd in business you just don't know it yet like that to me is is so prominent of people just not understanding the capacity they have and the things that they just do naturally and effortlessly that everybody else wants to know and needs to know that's the issue it's so easy 
I became an accountant because I took accounting for two years in high school and it was March, my graduating year, and I had to pick something. And I was like, oh, well, that's easy. I'll do that. <laughs> it pays pretty good. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. That's how I became an accountant, literally. And it's just, people undervalue their skills and their knowledge, like um, housewives, domestic engineers, as we should be calling them. They have skill sets, right? There's so many things that everybody knows. Anything that you, very few people can go through life without developing a skill set in something, becoming good at something that someone else would pay them to learn. Because you've been there, done that. You Absolutely. have the knowledge. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah. No, it's, awesome. So who do you love to serve and support? So you're going out, you're speaking, teaching people about all this fun stuff. Who do you love? Nice people. <laughs> nice people. Yes, we like <laughs> nice people. <laughs> that's, that's why you say heart-centered, right? It's like, I don't want to work with anybody that's going to be mean to me. I, I like nice people. I like open-minded people. That's why I usually say entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial mindset. And it's, it's not that you have to want to open a business. It's that you have to be open to other ideas. Because if, if you're not willing to learn, you're not going to get much value from what I'm teaching you, are you? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So you're working with entrepreneurs and you're helping them to understand kind of the math behind business or their actual accounting or? Um, well, I could do both. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, what I'm focusing on is actually doing paid speaking for corporations, organizations, things like that. Partly because there's a whole story behind who I am that we mm -hmm. just touched on there. For those of you who are interested in the entire story on that, we will have that on the Little Blue Pill for Business. Here, however, we like to keep it kid-friendly just in case people are driving their kids to school. Uh, this one, on the other hand, with aforementioned, will have some warnings on it, just because. Um, and I giggle and I laugh only because it's, to me, there is this, there's this, um, the wall that we, I think we should have for our kids so that they can go out and have fun and experience their day and do the things they love to do. And yet we want to create a layer of empathy because there is somebody out there listening to this is going, holy crap, you know what I'm going through. And we need that. So there's a, a certain level of nervousness, if you want to put it that way, that I'm like, what kind of line do I draw on this? How much is a little too much and how much is the right amount? Um, because as you listeners know, when it comes to even business, you need to have a community and a place where you can go and go, hey, this is normal. I feel like I'm a crazy person trying to jump off a cliff, building my airplane as I go, and everybody around me thinks I'm insane. And you are, but you're a special kind of crazy, and we love that. And there's also people that are going through things that clearly you've gone through where you feel completely isolated, you have no support, there's a feeling inside of there's no way anybody could understand what I'm going through right now. And I want everybody to know that there is. It's unfortunate that there is, but there is. And it's awesome because you need to have the support because by going through these horrific things, you will find within you something phenomenal and amazing that you can bring to the world that you wouldn't have been able to bring to them otherwise, if that makes sense. 
It does make sense. And actually, it's the reason that I do put that out there. Um, when my children were younger and they were in school, like high school and, and that age, I would tell them, if there's something that comes up in your life that you you need help with, you're, you're lost, and it's something you don't feel you can come to me for, for whatever reason, make sure you go to an adult, a smart adult. Like, I, I actually said my exact words were an adult with a brain, because there are some out there that are idiots who I would not want giving advice to my children. But go to somebody who's got knowledge, because there is nothing new. There are no new problems. There are variations of it, but somebody we know has either been there, done that, or knows somebody who has, and they know what the outcomes were for those choices. So it's the ability to give that 2020 hindsight to someone before they hit the problem or when they're hitting the problem. So we need to set people up ahead of time to succeed. Nice. Absolutely. So going back to the, when you go into a business and you're speaking with them, um, what are you speaking about or what do you love to speak about? And uh, what's the most powerful message you've brought into a business in your mind? My favorite thing to speak about is actually true prosperity, which is freedom, fun, and finances. Finances is just a portion if you don't have freedom, you there's so many things you can't do. I know I've lacked a lot. There's different types of freedom, and I seem to have lacked on a few of them. Um, fun, if you're not, the fun includes your family and, and your friends. It includes appreciation, and it includes doing the things that light you up, right? So bringing those in, and I mean, finances tends to be pretty, so everybody can guess what's in the finances part, right? Like the ability to give and share and lift others up is part of having good finances. Taking away the stress and worry is part of having good finances. Proper money management is part of the good finances. So that's my favorite thing to speak on. Um, but yeah, it, it gives a lot of value. Nice. I love that. So let's get into kind of your definitions of freedom, fun, and finances, because I think those are very, um, there's a lot of meaning to them, to each one of those words, and they're open for interpretation in a lot of places. Sometimes it has great connotations, sometimes it has not so great connotations. Even the word freedom I'm finding, especially now, uh, oh, some yeah. people are really afraid of this so-called freedom because they don't really understand how in control of their lives they are. And the whole notion of other being free is terrifying. So let's delve into that and uh, okay. what it means to well, you and how you bring it to people so that it <laughs> empowers them. When I speak on the freedom portion, the first part of it is actually health. Because if you don't have your health, or if your health is weak in one area, it can hold you back from doing so many things, right? There's restrictions put upon you because of it. So uh, gaining your freedom through your health is one way. The second freedom is freedom from oppression. And that could be by a government, 
It could be by a spouse. It could be by family members. There's many different types of it, but it's being held back in what you want to do because of what somebody else is telling you or restricting you by or putting you in a cage. Not literally, but literally Maybe. would be <laughs> the same. Yeah, that's true. If you're in prison, you're not going to have any freedom. And the last freedom is actually one that I'm fully embracing this year, and that's freedom of expression. The freedom to put yourself out there as you are, as big as you are, and not holding back for fear of the tribe kicking you out. That comes, it's built into our, our DNA, essentially, because we are a people that in olden days, if you weren't a part of the tribe, you could starve, you could be eaten by animals. And that, we evolved very quickly and a lot of these basic instincts didn't leave us. So it's very hard. You can be very authentic, like me, but still hold part of you back because it's hard to stand up and say, yeah, no, this is who I am. And if you don't like it, that's okay. I don't need you around me. These people really like it. And they're going to come to me because I'm saying this is who I am. And actually, it's the best the way to do it. Because you really don't want those people who aren't a match for your true inner self to be around you because they will detract from you. People are always, there's too much variety for there not to be people who won't like you. Absolutely. And I think part of the issue is that most people want to know where that tribe that loves me is before they let go of the tribe that doesn't love me. And unfortunately, I don't think you can do that because you have to say, stand up and say, hey, this is who I am in order for that other tribe to find you. It's like being a lighthouse. Mm -hmm. If the light's off, you're not doing anybody any good, especially not you. And if you're trying to find your way and you want people to come and help you, Picture the lighthouse on a lonely island. If you want some ships to come in there and help you off the island, you better turn on the light. I was going to say the irony is you know, if the light's on on a lighthouse, you're probably not going into it. But the whole idea is to avoid those things. But yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> There's, it, it, they could come up on the other side of me. the island. You can't me. You're getting what you're ruining my metaphor here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> thinking because being Canadian it wasn't that long ago that if you got kicked out of the tribe you, life was harsh and miserable and 50 years ago if you didn't have the support of your neighbors then you were essentially you know if something happened you were left alone to die if your pipes froze in the middle of winter you only got so long like it's I don't think it's a matter so much of evolution I think it's so much a matter of that's what it is being human. You need to have the support of other people around you. But it's a really scary thing to take that step and to try and find that tribe that will support you and reaching out and asking and and getting that um, that welcoming that you're looking for. It helps if you do have family and, and close support. If you have Absolutely. a few people who you know, they already know who you truly are and they love you anyway no matter what, not everybody has that, unfortunately, which makes it even harder for them. 
But I always, I truly believe, and this is my personal belief, I truly believe we all pick the challenges we come here for, the big challenges in our life, not every little tiny thing like, oh, I stubbed my toe. No, you didn't pick that. <laughs> but you did pick the big challenges in your life. And if you are friendless and familyless, I, I still hold the belief that that is a challenge you chose and that you are an advanced enough soul that you can handle it because you wouldn't have picked a hard path if you weren't able to handle it. Absolutely. And I think something unique and wonderful happens when we are put in to call it compromising positions that uh, we come up with ideas that we wouldn't have been able to have otherwise. Like we're not going to think about, hey, what do I do when I'm between a rock and a hard place? Unless I'm between a rock and a hard place, then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, how do I get out from between a rock and a hard place? And then all of a sudden ideas come to us that we just wouldn't have been open to otherwise. I do love that you say that, but I like to reframe it. Ever yeah. since I read um, Dan Brown's book, I think it was Da Vinci Code or angels and demons. Anyway, they were locked in the camera lingo's office. And the girl that was with the, the main character, she said, just give me a minute. I need to meditate and figure out how we got out of here. And he's like, what are you talking about how we got out of here? We're locked in the office. She's like, if you approach a problem from it, the solution already being there, your brain takes a totally different approach and it will find the most ridiculous ways that may work to get you out. Whereas if you approach it from how to get out, not getting out is still an option for your brain. So I always like to come at it from the, it's done, how that. did I do it? I love that. We can take that so many places. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's to, it's really a perspective of when you're in a position that seems difficult in any way shape or form we can absolutely go hey i'm in this crappy place and i need to get out but when we're in here whatever quagmire we find ourselves in if we see ourselves on the land it becomes that much easier to figure out how to uh, approach the issue and to be able to pull ourselves out absolutely i mean there's so many times i see that in business and <laughs> in anything in life that is awesome. So let's go into the fun part because I like the fun part. And I think people also have an issue with that one, especially right now, thinking that because times are rough, times are hard, that I need to be serious. I need to be gravens about this so that people know that, you know, this is a problem. I would say that is terrible thinking. You should always be as happy as possible. You should always be looking for something that will bring back your joy because that is how you light the world up. The more of us that are laughing and joyous, the better the world will be. Um, under the fun section, I mentioned them already. There's friends and family. There's the fun component and there's gratitude. Gratitude is one of the highest emotions. There is an emotional scale. Um, uh, what's that book? Um, I'm blanking on it, but if you look up the emotional scale online, you'll find it. And joy and gratitude are two of the highest ones. Most people, unfortunately, are in the lower vibrations, like 200 and lower. Joy is, I think, around 500. And gratitude 
is the easiest way to remind yourself. So if you do that in the morning, bring yourself into gratitude for something. Do not get out of bed unless you can find a spark of joy. Well, quickly, because you do have to get out of bed. <laughs> you do have to but get out of bed. <laughs> try. And if you can't find that, you got to laugh at the fact that you can't find something that's right underneath your head, which is probably your pillow, which is probably why you want to stay in bed. <laughs> and unfortunately, there are people who are clinically depressed. And, and what Absolutely. I'm saying is so far beyond them. Depression mm -hmm. is the very bottom of the scale because you do not have the motivation to act. Anger is a higher vibration than depression. And unfortunately, some people who get angry, people try to take them out of that because it makes them uncomfortable, but you're pushing them back down to depression. So sometimes it's good to let people just be angry because at least they're taking action on something. Um, Great. But you don't want them to stay there. You want them to move up. Um, the other thing is if you set a reminder on your phone every hour to check in with yourself, to see where you are emotionally, maybe bring yourself as back to a happier place. Um, as far as the fun component goes, that's my favorite part. Obviously, I, I love play. Um, I made hula hoops. If you buy the three quarter inch pipe, the black pipe and just get a joiner, you can use your calculation to figure out how long, about, about nine feet of pipe makes you a good hula hoop. And it works because it's heavy enough. Those ones you buy in the store, they're too light, they don't work. Um, I blow bubbles. I take bubble, a bubble wand with me when I go on a walk. Like, yes, I'm an adult. No, I'll never grow up. <laughs> <laughs> but to do these things, to get to the fun, is sit down for an hour and unpack what makes you happy. Get a pen and paper and write down as many things as you can think of that make you happy. Don't try this when you're in a bad mood. It won't work. You'll be like, no, that doesn't work. That doesn't, no, nothing. No, that doesn't make me happy. <laughs> No, that doesn't either. So do it in a good mood. Good mood hits you. Start writing it down right away. Does music light you up? Dancing? For me, it's being out in the rain, dancing in the rain. Oh, at least warm rain, not cold rain. That, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if it's windy. No. Um, but there are things that make you happy. It could be a good book. There's so many things that we forget about and I actually got to a point in my life where my friend said, you have to make yourself a priority. And I was like, what does that look like? I, I don't even know what that means. And it means like, do your own makeup, go, go get a massage, go look for some pretty rocks on the beach, do something just for you. But if you take an hour to do it, you're going to go through all the top of mind things that pop in like I just did. And you're going to start to say, okay, well, what else is there? And then maybe you can go back to the, the closet in your mind that is your box of boxes of memories and pull out the different ones from different ages and be like, well, what made me happy when I was 18? What lit me up? What lit me up when I was 10? What did I want out of life when I was five years old? Right? You will find the silliest things and the silliest things can bring the most joy. I actually, one thing I would love to do is just take a glass of cold water when my fiance is working hard on I think and just go dump it on. Well, I'd like to have two. <laughs> I, this is my thought. Get, have two and just hand him a glass of water like you're being nice and then dump the other one on his head and run. Because, <laughs> you know, he's, that way he can have revenge because you gave him ammo. <laughs> <laughs> and then becomes a game and that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, that is awesome and hilarious. I just remembered when I was little, I used to have this old 1950s 
baby bassinet that I would walk down the driveway and we had our driveway is about almost a kilometer long like it was a long driveway oh my gosh, <laughs> and gravel <laughs> and I would take this and I would take the biggest rocks I could find and those were my babies and I would put them in the bass nest so I'm actually making this harder on myself and I would go up and down the driveway until my older brothers and sisters came home from school so I'm, I'm sure I had like pipes when I was <laughs> for them to get back filling up this stupid bass net with rocks that's that was fun. cute yeah <laughs> <laughs> but and it brings back the point though you don't have to be in a good mood to think about makes you happy think about made you happy and sometimes you can't help but laugh it also reminded me of a time when i was uh when i was younger and i left my ex i had some issues then back in the day when you could go to the bay or whatever the stores and and they would do your makeup for you in the high-end makeup section so I'd find a, somebody that was bored and hadn't seen anybody in a while. I'm like, are you bored? And they're like, yeah, totally. It's like, would you do my makeup? And they're like, absolutely. Come on over and let's go do your makeup. And they do my makeup. And to me, I look like a clown. I thought it was hilarious. But I go home, take a picture of it and go, you know what? Like maybe I can, maybe they see something I don't see. But I would look in my mirror with my full makeup done the way they had done it. And I'd laugh because I was like, how can you? think this looks attractive this looks ridiculous and it was, at least that put me in a good mood and then I looked at those pictures years later and I'm like actually I didn't look that bad <laughs> like, I don't know why I was so hard on myself but you know uh, we do that to ourselves we're just you know another thing I suggest is if you have like a lot of women have these beautiful beautiful dresses but they're like oh there's no events I can go to it's like Safeway put it put on Safeway <laughs> Go, yeah, exactly. Go for a walk. Go buy your groceries. Everybody will assume that you are going somewhere. Exactly. They'll be like, oh, where are you going? It's like, oh, there's a thing. Like, you don't, like, just, it doesn't matter. You want to come? You, if you, do you have a dress? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Going to the park. You want to come with me? Let's go find your dress. Yeah. Like, awesome. I mean, think of it. Like, if you picture people like in Gone with the Wind, they walked around in dresses like that. Right. Like, let's do that. Get a little silly umbrella and a beautiful ball gown and go for a walk down the sidewalk. <laughs> like, I said I think out loud anything. that I think people that the tiara should come back as a fashion statement, just not a statement, but just, you know, part of your everyday attire. And my niece, God love her, uh, on her first day of school or on her picture day in grade one, she wore a tiara. So her grade one picture is she's wearing a tiara like that's just the way it is <laughs> i love her i love your niece she's right? amazing yes so i have awesome. i have about eight tiaras right now right um well i i'm getting married this summer and hey, i wanted congratulations one. it's awesome thank you and um i i when i was looking online they weren't expensive and i couldn't pick so i just oh. i bought eight of them and it's like oh this is definitely the one but I'll need to wear all those other ones too. <laughs> right. Well, you can wear one to the pre-party and one to the wedding and one to the <laughs> to the pictures and one to the after party and one yeah. on the airplane to your honeymoon and. Yeah, I think I think I should always be wearing one. When I went to I Jamaica, so. I loved it. Everybody called me princess. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is a good country. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> that is awesome. I love it. So speaking of princesses, give us an example of one of your Cinderella stories of one of your clients. Well, uh, what I found, like I'm, I'm actually, I shouldn't say this probably online, but I, I'm actually getting away from one-to-one -one coaching. But 
I have had some people that I have made huge shifts for in just the small, like one sentence that I say. Um, one of the women that was in a course I did, which ended up being more of a group group coaching than a course, um, she was going through it and doing the money stuff. And she had this big block around looking at the numbers, like the back end. She was really, really good about bringing money in. She's a millionaire, but she didn't want to look at where it was going out. And she was, she told me one penalty she paid, it would have been like more than salaries of some people where I live for the year. Right. Wow. Just one penalty. And it was just, she she knows about like law of attraction law of allowing you have to stay stay happy stay in the flow and she thought if she went down and looked at the numbers because she didn't have an easy way to do it until i taught her um she thought it would pinch off the flow and uh-huh. when i all all i said to her like she told me that and i said but if you're afraid to look there's already a rock in your stream so if we look at it we can pop it out and then rather than you having all this money flowing in and it leaking out the bottom of your bucket, we can plug those holes and then think about how much it's just going to overflow and how much more you'll be able to share with the people you want to share with rather than the government. Right. Right. So that, that was, that was one that I really loved because it did, it shifted her totally. That was all she needed to hear. Nice. I seem to have a knack for just saying that one little thing that it makes the light bulb go on and they go oh oh and it's like well geez I fixed you I guess you don't need coaching <laughs> <laughs> love that well and I have noticed too speaking from stage oftentimes you just you meet people at the right place at the right time so they're just going to a conference they're just being told you know go into this room like you were told to do and it's like fine what a waste of time I have other things I need to do I don't have time for this. And then they sit down and they listen and they're like, oh my God, this is exactly what I needed to hear right now. <laughs> Isn't like, it? Yes. That happens so often that it's, we go to something that, you know, and it could be a last minute thing, but it was exactly what we needed. And I do like to point out to people that if what you're doing is hard, you're not taking inspired action. It's good that you're taking action but it's probably going in the wrong direction. It's not supposed to be hard. You're supposed to be getting inspired. Get to that happy place. If you, if you, can, if you can feel happy for 16 seconds, the next happy thought will come to you more easily. And if you can maintain it for a whole minute, it will make a huge difference. So getting into an inspired place is where you take action from. And it won't feel like work and it won't feel hard. Love that. And a lot of people, when it comes down to semantics, like some people say life should be hard and you got to get through this. I say life should be challenging and there's an easier way to do it. So when we're setting goals, if we set a goal that we already know how to do it, it's not a goal. That's a task and we've stuck it on a to-do list. When we set goals, it's stretching us. It's reaching beyond what we know how to do. We should have no clue how to do this thing. If we have a clue, it's it's not really a goal anymore. So when we go after something that we have no clue how to achieve, uh, that's that's when all the stuff comes up. That's scary. It's frightening. It's outside of our comfort zone. I, I feel inadequate. I feel inept. I feel whatever. And it's like, awesome, great. 
that's how you feel when you do something that you don't know how to do. Now you know more about yourself than you did before. And that sounds really crazy, but it's so true. So elaborate for me on the whole um, idea or notion of inspired action because it's immensely powerful. I give one example where I go, you, when you're learning a new skill, it doesn't have to be hard. You don't need determination. You don't need to wrangle yourself. Think about when you were a little kid. Did somebody tell you you had to go out and play at lunch? Did they tell you you had to go and learn how to play soccer? No, you went out and you were like, yes, I get to do this. This is awesome. And you got better at it. <laughs> so it's like, right? How can we do that as adults, even if it's something like learning accounting or learning how to do our books or learning what a P&L statement is? If we go out there with excitement about it and like, hey, I might actually learn something about how to read a P&L statement. Fantastic. If I don't learn, well, I'm no further behind than it was yesterday because I didn't know how to do it yesterday. So, well, First, I want to say I really love how you put that. That that really resonated for me, the way you said that for the goals. Um, I have struggled with this myself. This isn't something that I'm guessing at. It's something that I've been like, I don't know how to do that. And I have had so many good ideas over the years that I have just felt so overwhelmed. And it's just like great big ideas. Little tiny Heather goes, nope, not going to do it. Right? <laughs> so, well, no, because it, it's not sad. It's a learning journey, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I heard Abraham Hicks say one time, you can't get it wrong and you never get it done. And that is so true. What is meant for you will not go past you. It will circle back around and back around until you are ready to accept it. Some of us never get ready. Some of us do. I like to get people to look at it from the end of your life rather than picturing the person in the box and what, what are you sad you didn't accomplish. I like to come at it from hey, look, you're about to die, but you're really happy and you're ready to go and you had a life that you're proud of. Why? What did you do? What did you accomplish? What are the things that you are most proud of when you get to the end of your life? And when I've brought this up in classes before, people have been like, well, can it be things I've already done? I'm like, yes, but it has to also be things you haven't done yet because if it's all things that you've already done, then you could die now, right? And if you're not dead now, there's something more that you're supposed to be doing. You're here for a purpose. And I like them to stretch. So inspired action always comes from a place of joy. You've, you've noticed if you're in a bad mood, like that's when you bump your head and bang your toe and this goes wrong and that goes wrong and the next thing goes wrong and it's like, oh my gosh, will it never stop? And it's just, I'm having the crappiest day. Well, guess what? It'll keep getting worse. If you actually are starting to have a crappy day, the other morning I had three things pop up that I was sure were taken care of. Three in a row the same morning. And I'm like, how can it get better than this? How's it gonna get better than this? How will it get better? than this. And I came at it with that positive point of view, not sarcasm, actually believing, how will it get better than this? And it did because of me having to go back and revisit one of those things. I now have another possible income. Like there's all these good things came out of it. But if I had shut down into the negativity, I wouldn't have seen any of them. Right? If you Absolutely. approach it from 
something good will come out of this. I don't know what it is yet, but it's happening for a reason. That negativity, shift it into something positive, but you will get inspired. Just part of it is getting out of the habit box because they say on the most, you would change 5% of what you do from day to day. And if you do what you did, you get what you got. And if you don't like what you have, you have to do something different. You have to be someone different. Pretend you're an actor, an actress, playing the role of the person who you want to be. Create that, believe it, stay in your role, stay in character of that new person. You know, dress for the job you want, same idea. But go there mentally. For those of you who are absolutely wanting to have Heather speak for your company or seeing whether or not she'd be a good fit for you or some events that you have coming up, how do people get a hold of you and start their journey with you? Uh, you can reach me at hcabbott.ca. That's my website, um, .ca, because I'm Canadian. If you go to .com, it's still me, but I'm selling insurance. So <laughs> you don't want that. <laughs> um, and on LinkedIn or anywhere, if you do a search for me, do Heather C. Abbott. It stands for Catherine. Heather C. Abbott. If you put the C in there, you will find me. If you leave it out, you will more likely find the wonderful Boston Marathon survivor, <laughs> okay. Heather Abbott. So, wow. Yeah. Good coincidences. Awesome. You have been amazing, Heather. I love talking to you. And again, we will. Uh, I hate to cut this one short, but I have to. So I'm sorry, peeps. We'll have her back, I promise. So, peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being with us here today. If you know anyone who would make a great guest for the show, if you have questions or topics you'd like me to discuss, reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Little Blue Pill for Business podcast with your mistress in business, Michelle Nedelec. Why are you still here? Go to littlebluepillforbusiness.com and get your goodies. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to share it with somebody else that you know would enjoy getting it up in business after you subscribe to the podcast, of course, so you won't miss any future episodes. Now, check the notes for links. Oh, and only tell your wife if she's into this, you know, entrepreneurship. And I'll see you both on the other side.